This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to Harbor at Home. What a joy to be with you in your home. I hope you've gathered your family, maybe a few friends and neighbors, because this series is really designed for conversation. It's designed for answering some of the questions as we address some of the foundational elements of new beginnings. I love that title, New Beginnings. And uh, so my name is Alan Platt, and I am a friend of the harbor. As a matter of fact, you partner with us in our ministry called City Changes. And I thank you as a ministry for investing into leaders all over the world as we have the privilege to minister to them. But today we're talking uh, new beginnings. And uh, when I was uh, asked to speak about new beginnings, there was a particular scripture that came to mind that uh, differentiates between what Paul calls the old man and the new man. And the key to that transition is Jesus Christ. And so I want to read a portion of scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, as we read verse 20 to 24 uh, in the New King James Version, he says, But you have not so learned Christ. It's as if Paul is saying, you've made a discovery. You've, you've come to a revelation of who Christ is, and that now deeply affects your life. He says, if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, <laughs> that includes the old woman, <laughs> uh, the old identity, that identity that was formed by the disobedience of Adam, that affected us all deeply. The Bible says Jesus Christ has engaged in the lineage of Adam. He became the last Adam so that he could reposition our identity because his obedience far surpasses and outperforms the disobedience of Adam. He says, This old man grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and uh, you need to be renewed, he said, in the spirit of your mind that you can put on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. 
You know, when we think of Christ, we think and recognize that he was very different. He represented this, this reference of righteousness and holiness. It's interesting when we look at the life of Jesus, we see everything he did was different. When he spoke, it was different. The people said, you know, he, he speaks differently. He speaks like one that has authority. It was as if they were saying, you know, there's something about his words that penetrate our heart, that have, have something of a, uh, an appeal on, on our ears, our wanting to listen. His words brought comfort and, and encouragement and, and truth. He spoke differently. When Jesus prayed, he prayed differently. The disciples listened to him praying, and, and they recognize he's not just praying some religious prayer. He's actually speaking to the Father, and they come to him and say, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And then he says, come here. I'll teach you. This is how you must pray. Our Father. He introduces them to a relational connection with the Father. It was a radical notion in that day to call God your Father. As a matter of fact, that's why they wanted to kill Jesus. Because they said, you're making yourself equal to God. He was different. When Jesus was confronted with circumstances and crisis and um, these circumstances threatened him. He was never anxious. We never see him becoming flustered and uncertain. It was as if he was aware that God, his father, was with him. So telling when he's in this boat and the storm comes up with seasoned fishermen and they get anxious about the storm, Jesus stands up, addresses the storm, and the disciples look at Jesus, and their statement is, what manner of man is this? He's different. One of the things that are really different about Jesus was the fact that the Bible says he was a friend of sinners. Now, that messes with my mind because here is the most holy man that ever walked on the planet. And the Bible says sinners wanted to hang out with Jesus. Uh, some translations say he was a friend of some very bad sinners. <laughs> it seems like you get sinners and then you get very bad sinners. <laughs> The fact is, these people that were very bad wanted to be with Jesus. Why? They saw something in him. They desired what he had. They so desperately wanted to have what Jesus had. What was that? Well, as John documents the gospel of John, he's really introducing us to Jesus in the hope that we will discover who we are as we discover who he is and when he starts that gospel, he, he references the divinity of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then four verses later, he's trying to give us a 
picture of who this Jesus was and, and trying to explain to us who he is. And he doesn't say he was this incredible teacher or he was the miracle worker. What he says was, in him was life. And the life was the light to the world. John is saying that there was something in Jesus that set him apart. And so as he continues to write about Jesus, he gets to John 10 when he then quotes Jesus. Where Jesus is sharing his own mission statement. The reason why he has come to earth. And Jesus shares this when he says in verse 10. I have come that you might have life. <laughs> oh, In him was life. And this life was the light of the world. And now suddenly Jesus says, everything you see in me, everything you desire in me, that which attracts you to me, I have come to reproduce this in you. In you is life. You see, this is what happens to us when we transition from the old man to the new man in Christ we become partakers of the divine nature we become the partakers of life now wh what does that mean in practical terms well when I look at the life of Jesus I see two things that I want to leave with you today that might be helpful in understanding this new this this life this this new reference of how we put on christ well the first one is identity it's amazing when i look at the the life of jesus jesus was very secure in his identity and we need to be secure in our identity in christ why? Because identity precedes activity. The way you perceive yourself is the way you're going to live. Now, there was a moment in Jesus' life where he was baptized and he comes up out of the water and the heavens open, the Bible say, and the Father makes a pronouncement over Jesus' life. This is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased. What a moment in Jesus' life to hear the Father make that positive affirmation, that pronouncement over his life. There are few things as powerful in this, in this life as a father's positive affirmation over a child's life. And Jesus, I mean this is Jesus. And the Father felt it was important that he experienced that. It's amazing. The father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, the father says, I'm pleased with you. I'm, I'm smiling upon you. I'm embracing you. 
You're mine. You see, the father was pleased with Jesus, not because of what he had done, because he had not yet done any miracles. He had not yet gone to the cross. Jesus had not yet started with his ministry. It's amazing that that pronouncement actually activated his ministry. You see, Jesus was was not working for favor. He was working from favor. And, And this announcement upon his life was made by the Father not because of what he had done, but because of who he was. You are mine. You belong to me. And I'm pleased with you. My smile is upon you. You see, the Father wants you to hear that exact same statement over your life. And John wants us to understand this. So as he writes the gospel of John, he gets to verse 12 of the first chapter and then makes this statement. He says, for all who have received him, all that received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Amazingly, the same word is used there that is translated children that is used when the father speaks over Jesus' life. You are my son. It's this word that Darren spoke to you about last week. The sonship, the inheritance, huios. This recognizing of a full, mature son. And here's what what John is saying. If you receive Jesus, the Father speaks over your life and he says, you are mine, you belong to me, my smile is upon you, I'm pleased with you. I want to tell you a story. In uh, Pretoria in South Africa where I hail from, There in the Pretoria Zoo was an eagle that was in a cage for 12 years. And then they decided they're going to set this eagle free. And so they had this whole project where they were going to cart this eagle all the way in a big cage to the area where its natural habitat was and where similar eagles would be found. And so... um, When they arrived there to set the eagle free, some of our friends were there and they told us this story. They said it was amazing. There was such an anticipation because this this cage was going to be opened in the anticipation that when they open up the cage, the eagle will see that and is going to fly out. And so they had the countdown. They opened up the cage and the eagle sat. It was amazing. They said they couldn't believe the eagle didn't want to Use this opportunity to be free. You see, because for 12 years, the cage had become the defining reference for that bird. It didn't want to leave that context. And so they had to go into the cage and, and, and kind of chase the eagle out. And they say it was quite funny because they, they shooed the bird out and kind of jumped out on the ground and, and hopped, hopped out of the cage a few meters out, and, and there it sat. It didn't want to fly. You see, at this stage, the eagle was out of the cage, but the cage was still in the mind 
of the eagle. That eagle was now free, but it had not yet recognized what that freedom meant. That's exactly what happens to us many times as Christ followers. We have gone from the old into the new. Christ has come into our lives. But Paul is challenging us to say, lay down the old. Get rid of the old cage mentality and embrace the new. Embrace this newness of life. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, they recognize they better get this bird to fly. Because if it doesn't fly, it's going to die. And so they, they, they whistled at the bird. They, they shouted at the bird. They said one guy even went and explained to the bird how important it is to fly. And, uh, another guy ran in front of the bird and, and, and tried to show the bird how to fly. But to no avail. The bird just sat there. They say, and then something amazing happened. One of the free eagles of the region started circling above them. And the next moment they say that eagle gave a cry. And when that eagle gave that cry, it was as if there was an immediate connection, a resonance in this eagle. Because it looked up and it somehow immediately recognized. There was an immediate download into this eagle that it was not made for a cage. It was not made for confinement. It was made for newness of life. It was made for freedom. They say that cry ignited something in this bird because the next moment it started running, flapping its wings, and it flew up into freedom. When I heard that, I recognized this is what we need to hear over our lives. You are are mine the father is making that announcement over your life you've got to hear that not because of what you've done but because of who you are you are now his because you are in christ that verse in in john 1 verse 12 says for those that received him listen it's not about how you achieve it's about how well you receive the New Testament is all about receiving. As a matter of fact, the difference between a spiritual orphan and a true son, an inheritor of God, is your willingness to receive. And then listen to what he says. He gives the right. Oh, there's so much dialogue about rights today and all the rights that people are made, being made aware of. But let me say this to you. The biggest right that any human being can ever discover is the right to be a child of God. And today you need to discover this newness of life starts with you recognizing the voice of the Father that says, you're mine and I love you. This was a statement over Jesus' life. We see how Jesus goes from that moment into the desert. And the Bible says the enemy came and tempted Jesus. And he premises the temptations with a statement. If you 
are the son. Why did he say that? Well, it was simple. He wanted Jesus to doubt whether he truly was son of God. And you know what? The enemy's strategy has not yet changed. He's exactly on that course with your life to get you to doubt whether you truly are son. Son, huios, inheritor. That includes the ladies, right? Yeah, the Bible is not always so gender sensitive. So if I can be the bride of Christ, you can be a son. All right, ladies. The fact of the matter is you've got to see and hear that statement of your life. But it's interesting when the enemy comes to tempt Jesus, he leaves out one very key concept. I think it was an intentional omission. He leaves out the word beloved. Because he knew the power of that concept. If you know that you are loved, oh my goodness, it repositions your whole life. And Jesus was so aware of the love of the Father. And, and that is the second key understanding that I want to drop into your spirit the one being identity, but the other intimacy. Jesus was aware that the Father was not far, that the Father was with him. Not only did the Father make a statement over his life, but he then goes and makes statements. And, and John documents that for us in the Gospel of John when he says, The Father and I are one. The Father loves the Son. I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. Was a hundred and sixteen times in the Gospel of John is the concept of Father. You see, you have to understand that the Father is not far. The reason why Jesus did what he did, the reason why he lived the way he lived, the reason why he engaged life the way he did is because he was so aware. The Father is with me. Um, it changes everything when you recognize proximity to the Father. You see, religion thrives on two concepts. Distance and delay. Distance, God is far. God is, is, is actually dislocated from your life. And hopefully, if you perform enough, you might just get an audience. That's not the New Testament. The, the wall of separation has been dealt with. Jesus closed the gap. The Father has come to make his abode in you. This is what John 14, 23 says. My Father, if you love me, my, I am in my Father. My Father is in me and we will come and make our home, our abode in you. You become the very address of the Father it changes everything. Now let me end by saying this. When you recognize who you are and that the Father is with you, it changes the way you live. It'll change the way you speak. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you respond to crisis and circumstances. And guess what? You'll become attractive to this world. You are to be the new.
No longer the old. The old reference is done away with. In Christ, you've discovered a new reference. And you now manifest that life through your life. God bless you as you consider these thoughts. And may you truly enjoy the newness of life in Christ. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.